are listening to Nerds Adulting Bites, a podcast with short, easy-to-consume, bite-sized episodes that explore various nerdy topics by taking a deeper look. Well, a new study finds a link between violent games and aggressive behavior in children. Uh, We are determined to stop a situation in which video games with pornographic and violent content are being peddled to our children. The video games, the movies, the internet stuff is so violent. It's so incredible. I see it. I get to see things that you wouldn't be, you'd be amazed at. The fact is that a new generation of video games crosses that line containing the most horrible depictions of graphic violence and sex. Cold-blooded murder is making Mortal Kombat the most popular video game in history. Kids relish their victory and their bloody choice. Should they pull out their opponent's heart? or simply rip his head off just to see his spinal cord dangle in a pool of blood. Video games have long been a hotbed for controversy. Over the past 40 or so years, people have long held the stance that violent video games are bad for society. After the first video game controversy of Death Race back in 1976, there were very few notable other controversies that were related to video games. In 1983, we saw Custer's Revenge spark some notable outrage due to the pixelated animation of the main character getting it on, or as some saw it, rape of a Native American woman. But after Custer's Revenge, the video game industry hit the infamous crash of the 1980s due to oversaturation of the market. It wasn't until the early 1990s when we finally saw the video game controversy come to a boiling point. Thanks to politicians like Joe Lieberman and Hillary Clinton battling it out with game companies and their violent video games, which included congressional hearings. This is part two of the violent video game series. This is Mortal Kombat 1993. Round one. Mortal Kombat was an arcade fighting game developed and published by Midway in 1992 and later for home consoles Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo in 1993. It was a game that came from humble beginnings and was never supposed to succeed, let alone become a billion dollar gaming franchise. It was created by John Tobias along with Ed Boon, who was a designer at Midway, and a small unknown martial artist, Daniel Pesina. Daniel Pesina played characters Johnny Cage, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and Reptile in the game and also heavily influenced the the development of the game with his creativity and eyes for detail. I am martial art master Daniel Pacina. Been doing martial arts since 1969. Friend of mine through through years, like I didn't know him for like one or two years. I knew him for about five or six years. Friend of my brother's, Carlos, John Tobias, uh, called me up on my parents' house up. (laughs) That's how... That's how close we are. He had uh, he has our phone number, uh, and asked me to help create and pitch a game to a company he worked for called uh, Midway Valleys, Valley Midway back in the day. So that game later on would take the name uh, be called Mortal Kombat. What I love so much about this story of how Mortal Kombat came to be was how it wasn't even meant to succeed. It was only supposed to be a filler game to take up space in arcades that Midway had already paid for. So naturally, it was very low budget with a subtle level of sneakiness by John Tobias. But to me, it's essentially a story of how a group of friends who just wanted to make a game and got that chance. I loved it. 
like how did that work out for you like was it just him just hey do you want to make a game like how was that whole process like from you getting invited to work on the game and into you actually sort of like doing the stuff and and actually mocapping or whatever it was called back then because i don't think it was called mocapping it back then no there's no motion capture yet <laughs> there's no yeah right yes photoshop yet so <laughs> you know we're talking back in the day so it was uh you know, and, and just to be clear, the, the corporation has their side of the story because naturally it's the corporation and probably, uh, you know, if they got to look back at it, uh, because it was going to be a small game, 200 arcades, they probably would have not let me play as big of a role as I played in it if they knew that it was going to make be a, a billion dollar franchise. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, because uh, basically John called me up. He, I just got off of uh, doing uh, stunts for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. So he was like, hey, man, I saw you did Turtles. Congratulations. I was like, cool, we got to go see it together. You know, that type of thing. He's like, I, I landed a job working for making video games. And I was like, cool, congratulations. And he's like, he just came off of a game which had uh, total carnage, which had blood in it. Yeah, total carnage. And so he was like, I was like, if you get a chance, he goes, get a chance. But I have an idea for a video game. And I, and, uh, I was like, what do you mean? He goes, remember when we were always trying to shoot, you know, I wanted to be a director and you guys were going to do the Kung Fu action. And I was going to make a, a home movie, a movie back in the day. And he's like, kind of like that. He goes, I want to do a live action video game, but I want the people in it to actually know martial arts as opposed to what we have out today. And so I was like, oh, uh, uh, I was like, oh, cool, cool. And he's like, man, you know, I can't pay you really that much. But, you know, we're going to do 200 arcade cabinets. It's going to be a filler, fill-in game, filler game, which he described was like, you know, the company just wants to keep their cabinets and uh, uh, cabinet space. So it's not a big production and keep, keep the name out. And they're just going to kind of do that because they, all the games can't be winners or, or expensive. To make so you know so i was like okay what do we you know uh, sure we can help he goes you know whatever ideas you have we'll put in the game you know and you can help create the game and i was like okay what do we do and he's like well you know call uh he's like bring carlos and rich to my work and when i need to do i'm going to show you the artwork that i have uh drawn up and i need you to record some fight scenes and some martial art movies so I can make a package to present to Midway. So John Tobias began working with Daniel and his brother Carlos, who played the character Raiden, at night because he wanted to keep the game a secret and wanted the full element of surprise for whenever he was ready to present it. This to me was when I realized just how much detail and thought Daniel and John had put into the game. So, you know, and, and me with a big mouth, I was like, I don't, I, I was like, looked at them and I was like, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the police character. And then John looks at me, why? And I was like, well, police get one or two, you know, eight months training, one or two years training, and then they're on the street. And I, and this, you know, this tournament that we're going to, we were chatting about, you know, you're going to come up and fight against guys who've been training their whole life. So the cop is going to die right away. And I don't want to, I don't want to be that red shirt. I don't want to be the guy from Star Trek where you don't know his name. He's being down and you're going to get killed right away. I don't want that. I was like, I want to be Raiden. And then uh, John laughed and he's like, no, Carlos, because Carlos was close to John. So he's like, Carlos is going to be Raiden. And then I was like, I want to be the Michael Grimm guy. 
And then, uh, and then John's laughing. He goes, no, no, no. And the Michael Grimm guy was based off of uh, Iron Fist. You know, kind of like that type of, of character after the Iron Fist character. Uh, so uh, he was just like, no, you're going to be the, the cop guy. Just goof. You know, we goofed around with that. He was poking fun at me and stuff like that. But so uh, I was just like, oh, man, like that. And Rich is laughing. So we just poking fun at each other. So we shoot this package and get this package together. And uh, a couple days later, you know, it's a couple days later, and John calls me up and says, hey, they like the idea of a fighting game. And then just this tone, I was like, oh, something's changed or something's different. And he's like, you got to bring your best ideas and we got to make a pitch to the man management of Midway. We show up at a, at a pizza restaurant and I'm, gonna, I'm meeting this guy named Ed. So shake his hand, go in and we're, we just, you know, we're talking about the game and how, uh, you know, we, John wanted blood in it to be like an old samurai movie. Uh, and then we, we just talked about different, you know, different things that we liked in the game. Like we wanted to have like uh, Fist of the North Star had x-rays in it, in it. So we wanted x-rays in the game. You know, we wanted just like, uh, you know, we talked about Bruce Lee and, and, uh, and uh, Enter the Dragon. We also talked about Big Trouble in Little China. We talked about uh, Five Deadly Venoms. We talked about 36 Chambers. We talked about, man, we just talked about uh, like just so many movies and so much ideas that we wanted to put into the game. And, uh, and the guy's just listening to us, kind of shaking his head, listening, you know, very cold face. Very business type. Daniel was also the mind behind the now famous Lin Kuei Ninja Clan and introduced the idea during their pitch lunch. In Mortal Kombat, Scorpion, a yellow ninja, and Sub-Zero, a blue ninja, were palette-swapped characters which helped with saving memory. The influence of the Ninja Clan came from a book called China's Ninja Connection. Naturally, John tied the stories of these two ninjas through a revenge story where Scorpion, who was assassinated by Sub-Zero, returns from hell to exact his revenge in the tournament. And then I was just like, that's when I pulled out my idea. I was like, you know, you got a Japanese ninja. We have to change it into the Lin Kuei. And then John is like, what's that? I go, there's Chinese ninjas. There's a legend of Chinese ninjas, and they, they mix magic with their martial arts. So it's not just martial arts. They have like, they really embrace magic, mysticism, the alchemy, all this stuff. And, and uh, I told them what the, I go, you know, it's the nineties. So I was just like, I don't, it, it, the ninjas, Japanese ninjas are everywhere, but the Chinese ninjas have like this armor type of thing. It's exact, except for the color. It's exactly what it looks like kind of uh, Mortal Kombat one and two. So with that, with that type of look. And so I explained to him and stuff like that. And he's like, and I was like, if you really want my help on this, you'll, we'll, we'll put this in and we can make this game really unique. So anyway, we ended it like that. It was end like, okay, so the guy, I kind of like, how do, what do you think? And the guy was just kind of just, you know, Ed was just kind of tight-lipped. He heard the whole thing. He didn't really say anything much like that. But then about a, uh, two days later, I get a call from John that our game was canceled. So now I'm thinking... Why would Midway want to bring in a movie star like Jean-Claude Van Damme when the game was supposed to be small and not much to note? It sounded to me like Midway might have seen something during this pitch meeting with Ed, John, and Daniel. But lo and behold, Jean-Claude wanted too much money for Midway's liking, and the game was back on. John told me, he's like, you know what? We're going to go with a mainstream fighting game idea. 
because it'll make more quarters. We're going to put Jean-Claude Van Damme in a game. And I was like, I was just like, I was just kind of like, man, hell. I was just like, John, make sure you don't put the Lin Kuei in there. You know, it's my idea. I want to be one of the first to do that. I don't want, you know, my is going into a game that I'm not really part of. Uh, so, you know, it, it got canceled. So I didn't hear back from John for, for a while when he, you know, one day uh, uh, later on, I forget, maybe a couple months later, he calls me up and he's like, hey, you still can you still help me with my game? And then I was like, well, what happened? And he's like, well, Jean-Claude Van Damme wants money. And I, the company I work for is cheap. They don't want to give me money. So we kind of laughed at, after it. And I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's do this. What do we need to do? He goes, come to my work tomorrow and we'll start working on it, me and you. And so I showed up to work and uh, we, we kind of cleaned out uh, what I thought was a storage room, but it was a filming room, but there was so much junk in there. I spent like two hours trying to make a space to film against. And Johnny had a shot sheet, and on the shot sheet, it said high, medium, low, that's it. And so basically for six day, eight hour days, uh, Tobias and I alone, just us two, uh, filmed martial art moves and tried to figure out an idea pathway into the game that's now called Mortal Kombat. Given the limitations and the basic non-existent budget, the attention to detail that was discussed by Daniel was incredible. As they say, with limitation comes innovation. Uh, yeah, there, uh, everything that we put in that in the game that I got to do was like I had, I put like thought to the, into what I was doing, you know, kind of like, not just like, Oh, just go and do this. It was like, Oh, you know, uh, an, an example is, you know, when they came up with the idea, uh, John and Ed wanted me to tear, tear somebody's head off. And they're like, grab him, just tear his head off. And I was like, I explained to him, if, if, if you were supposed to do this for real, you couldn't just rip like this because you'd only get the skull. You have to grab it and get on your tippy toes and pull it straight up. So that way the spine would, even though I don't think it's possible, that's the way you would probably be able to do it. So then, you know, di different things like that. Uh, like Raiden, you know, the uh, we use a staircase to shoot a lot of jumping moves because uh, when I when I was jumping, I would jump. Uh, the the idea was to jump up underneath the guy's sweeping legs, so you had to tuck your legs, you know, so that way that they wouldn't get swept. So we're doing this, but I'm jumping high because you have to jump high to tuck your legs, but the top of my head would blacking out because there was only overhead lighting. The lighting was really cheap. So John was just like, jump lower. And so I was like jumping lower. And then John is like, but you got to tuck your legs. And I looked at him and I'm like, John, you want me to float? And then he started laughing and he's like, and then I looked around and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get the staircase and I get the frames of me jumping and then just cut me off on the staircase. And then you got the frames of me landing. Because we at that time we wanted more frames for it. When we first uh, uh, later on, you know, we would realize we couldn't use so many frames. But anyway, so so John was like, just use a chair, and I was like, no, because if I sit in the chair, it's going to look like I'm sitting in the chair. But if we get the stairs, I could balance myself on the edge, and I can give them look like I am because when you're balancing yourself and holding it there's a certain energy that goes into it 
And when you're sitting in the chair, it kind of looks like you're just sitting in the chair. So that was my thought on that. And I told John, I was like, plus, when we bring other people in, we can reposition them on these spots. So that way, everybody looks a little bit different. So that way, not everybody looks the same. So that way, their martial arts, everybody's martial arts is a little different on it. And John's like, yeah, that's a really good idea. So, you know, in, in the end, that thing of changing everything or making sure that something was a little bit different and helping other of the personalities when they were creating their uh, the characters, they would be able to be like, oh, no, somebody already did that. We need to do, you know, oh, I want to do that. Well, no, because that won't, you know, being 2D, that won't come out the way you think it's going to come out. If it's 3D, it would, you know, like an axe kick. You know, 2D, it looks like a high front kick. So, you know, I was just like adding those things things to the game. So when we were doing Scorpion and, and Sub-Zero, I was like, well, originally they're brothers. So I was like, they can't, they study from the same masters so they can't be that far apart they have to be just a little bit different so even their kicks have to be almost the same but a, a little you got to add do a little bit different different way so the one question I, I have is so did you know from the get-go about how violent it was going to be so it sounds like it, you did yeah it, uh yeah we had it was going to be violent but you know again it was 200 arcade cabinets it was never going to go home you know, it's never going to be more than 200 arcade cabinets. I had a, a verbal promise because that's one of the things. When I was telling, talking to uh, John and, and Ed at the end of our sec, our, of that meeting where we we're pitching to Ed, I told Ed, if you make give me one game, I will give you permission to use my image to do as many games as you want. And then Ed and John were like, you know how much they cost. They cost like four or $5,000. We're not going to give you any game. That's way too much. We're only make. I promise you, we're only making two hundred arcane cabinets. But we we wanted this violence in the game because we wanted like an old kung fu movie, and then it was never going to go home. And we were like, well, who plays arcade cabinets? Uh, you know, you don't drop your eight year old at a, at an arcade with a with a bag full of quarters. <laughs> you know, that's those are 14, 13, 14 years. You know, thirty year old people in there who have their own quarters that are playing arcades. So that's our target audience for, for that. And two, we were testing the game. You know, it was Johnny Cage versus Johnny Cage. And John called me up. He's like, oh, you got to come in here. Got to come here. Got to look at the, the fatality. And, you know, uh, and, and that was just a different process to get, get into the fatality. But anyway, uh, so I get there and like it, not, it, it has me fighting me and John is like playing it and boom, I knock my own head off and the blood's going out like crazy. And I was just like whole over the top. And then John looks at me, he goes, you know, we, uh, Ed just threw the blood in there, you know, program the blood just to go crazy because it's a test. But I think we're going to keep it with that extraordinary amount of, of gore because it's, it looks like, like a, the old, you know, uh, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub samurai movie, you know, where the blood, like over no human body holds that much blood. But I was just like laughing. I was just like, man, it looks really, it looks real. I like, it. this looks real. You know, for the time, it looked real. Round two. Violence and violent images permeate more and more aspects of our lives. And I think it's time to draw the line. I know that one place parents want us to draw the line is with violence in video games. The fact is that a new generation of video games crosses that line containing the most horrible depictions of graphic violence and sex 
including particularly violence against women. Like the Grinch who stole Christmas, these violent video games threatened to rob this particular holiday season of a spirit of goodwill. Instead of enriching a child's mind, these games teach a child to enjoy inflicting torture. That was Joe Lieberman from the 1993 Senate hearing on violent video games, which came shortly after the release of the home console versions of Mortal Kombat. The game became a common target for critics of violence marketed to children. Many politicians were threatening bans on violent video games or censoring them. Some politicians were even seeking to form a federal commission to oversee video games. This ultimately led to the creation of the Entertainment Software Association and organized the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, or the SRB, which is still used today. The industry promised the new system would be in place in time for the 1994 holiday buying season. The ESRB is another story for another day. Now let's rewind a bit to the home console versions of Mortal Kombat and the controversy surrounding its release in Sega and Nintendo were embroiled in a war of the consoles, with the Genesis and Super Nintendo respectively. Tom Kalinske, the CEO of Sega of America, had brilliantly brought the Genesis into the U.S. markets by using edgy marketing filled with teenage angst and calling out Nintendo directly in some cases. Both Nintendo and Sega fought very hard to gain exclusivity for their consoles, but Acclaim, who had console rights to Midway's arcade games, decided to release it on both. Nintendo was very well known for their game's cute characters and family-friendly focus as far as games were concerned. Howard Lincoln, who was the former chairman of Nintendo of America, requested that the game replace the blood with gray sweat and removal of the violent fatalities. Howard thought that parents would be happy that Nintendo stood their ground and removed the violence, but to his dismay, he found that people were upset and felt like Nintendo had censored the game. The Sega Genesis outsold the Super Nintendo version 2 to 1. I was 10 years old when I first discovered Mortal Kombat at Aladdin's Castle, an arcade. I remember being horrified at the realistic nature of Sub-Zero ripping off Raiden's head with the spinal cord still attached and hearing the screams of pain. But at the same time, I was fascinated and intrigued. I wanted more. Mortal Kombat holds a special place in my heart because it was one game I remember playing while my dad watched. He loved it and thought it was hilarious that this was actually in a game. I personally think that the whole controversy surrounding violent video games and their impact on children was just some ploy by politicians to score political points and was disingenuous at best. Thank you for listening to Nerds Adulting Bites. For more information and more resources regarding this topic, please check out the description or go to nerdsadulting.com. Don't forget to check me out on Twitch, Pistol Pete with three E's.